Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Wednesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Wednesday? Well, I survived a uh, hour delay on my flight so i guess i'm doing okay even though i'm not gonna lie to you i'm still exhausted from vegas <laughs> and i think my liver is like gone yeah. <laughs> i think like i m- maybe need to detox for at least a month <laughs> <laughs> speaking of gone the chicago bulls are almost gone i mean i know the playoffs <laughs> haven't started but as a bulls fan this is so disappointing they're 0 and 16 against the top three seeds in both conferences it's wow. embarrassing it's honestly good. embarrassing. Aww. By the way, big day for us on the show. We will be joined by Warren Moon, Hall of Fame quarterback. Warren Moon in the second segment. Uh, so there's a lot to get into in the first segment. So let's begin with today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. Lakers play the 76ers tonight, guys, in L.A. at CryptoArena.com. Still used to getting to say that. The Wait, you're mixing up. You're, crypto, what'd you say? Crypto, crypto dunk, sorry, CryptoArena.com. Or crypto, it's just a weird name, okay? It's Call, just a weird hey, name. Was, like, let's stick with Staples Center. I mean, you know, I don't know. Well, um, anyways, at the crypt. At the crypt. Uh, the Sixers are favored by seven and a half points, at, according to Circus Sports. If the Lakers find a way to win tonight, does that change your stance on the Lakers, guys? And the Lakers have actually won two of their last three games. And during that stretch, LeBron James is averaging 37.3 points, 9.7 assists, and 8.3 assists. LeBron James, man. I mean, the GOAT right now. Top three player in the league. Really, yeah, 37.3 points, 9.7 assists. I mean, basically a triple-double. Um, no, listen, it doesn't change my stance on the Lakers. I mean, if the Lakers find a way to beat the Sixers tonight, that would be fantastic. That would give them three wins in the last four games. They're still stuck in that 9-10 matchup. They have moved up to 10. Sorry, 9. It's important, really important, actually, because I think if they have to go on the road to New Orleans and then um, like the Clippers game, if they play them, would not be technically a road game. But I think it's, it's important if they want to get into that next game of the play-in tournament to at least host that game. They do play the Pelicans twice here to close out the season. So we'll have a good sense of how they'll potentially do in that game. It doesn't change my view on them because I still, A, don't think they'll make it to the first round, and B, if they do make it to the first round, I think they'll get swept by the Suns. It wouldn't change my view on them. It might change my view on Philadelphia. They kind of look a little fraudulent, Ah. but from the Lakers' standpoint, I'm interested to see Russell Westbrook has probably played his best stretch of basketball over the last three games. And his plus minus was a plus 23 last game. So I want to see if this is a fluke or if he's going to actually build on this and and do something productive because his track record is a second half of the season player. Now, it hasn't really come to fruition this season, but I mean, there's still time left. He's playing better now. So we'll see if it continues tonight. I don't know. I guess better late than never. Yeah, yeah, you know, this doesn't change my view. Because even if you make it to the first round, I don't think that the Lakers are of that caliber to make it out of the first round. Now, if you get a play in, then good for you. Yeah. Pat on the back. But again, like we said, the Lakers are a win. Um, 
just win baby kind of a team, right? That's what the mentality's oh, yeah, always been, so bad, right? Yeah. Oh no. The, and this season is just again. I'm still gonna go for it. This season's a wash. Like oh, enjoy, yeah. enjoy next season, guys. Like f- figure it out next year. Get rid of Russ. Start a new. Get some new guys on the a little new, um, newer blood, I guess. Yeah. Right. And n- figure it out. Just figure it out. I don't it know. It can't be worse than this season, though. I mean, this is this has got to be. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, anything, anything can get worse. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Well, the if the Lakers beat the Pelicans in the NBA play-in tournament, how excited, Arash, would you be for a win or go home, do or die game between the Lakers and either the Clippers or the Timberwolves? So here's what I'm looking forward to. This is why I think I'm not totally giving up. When I say giving up on the season, there is one game that I could potentially get really excited for. We may have to have a watch party for this game. If the Lakers beat the Pelicans, it doesn't really matter to me who they play. A win-or-go-home, do-or-die game between either the Wolves or the Clippers would be awesome because they don't like each other. The Clippers and the Lakers don't like each other. And that whole Pat Bev, LeBron, uh, Wolves versus the Lakers, I never thought that would be a rivalry. That's a rivalry. I mean, they do not like each other. Pat Beverly doing the whole, you know, you know, seeing that the, the Lakers stink and he's pinching his nose. Um, I, I want to see that. By the way, this goes to my point about the play-in tournament. If the Lakers play the Wolves, so if some way, somehow, the Clippers beat the Wolves, the Wolves would be, despite them being 11 games above 500, like, they're like a legit number seven seed. Um, they could be out of the playoffs, not even in the first round, if they lose to the Lakers. And again, the Lakers are going to be a different team. By the time the play-in tournament comes around, they'll have Anthony Davis back, Maybe Westbrook, to your point, Buckets is playing freer, or he's, you know, it took, it's taken him 72 games, <laughs> but he's figured out his role. Um, they could beat the Wolves. So, no, listen, no matter what, I'm excited about if the Lakers can beat the Pelicans, either the Wolves or the Clippers, that's going to be a fun matchup. The playing game is unfair to the 7 and 8 100%. 100%. But with that being said, everybody that's complaining about it right now, they're going to be in if it's a good game. For sure they're <laughs> going to be in because it's it's going to be exciting. It's like yeah. the only semblance of March Madness that we get in yeah. the NBA. It's different than a Game 7. It's a one-game thing. And honestly, yeah, if I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm not for it going forward, I don't think, because it's so unfair. But for, for this season, yeah, I'm excited. And LeBron James in a one-game elimination uh, setting is must-see television. I mean, I I love this, but it's also because I love college basketball, and this has a college basketball feel, right? So, uh, to your point, Armand, I I love this. Keep it. Don't care about the seven they seed if it's unfair to them. Then play better. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Play better. Be better. Play better. Do the Belichick thing and just be better. Dominate your, your field. So... I know that's like it's easier said than done and it probably sounds really not empathetic of me but you know that that's what sports are all about there's winners and losers right there's no there's no participation trophy there's no no like hey like you did a good job pat on the back it's time to start winning just win right so yeah just be better and then you won't have this would be the one game though if a below 500 if a a team 10 games below 500 is in in a team 10 games above 500 is not that's when you'll hear talk about "Uh, is this really the best thing i don't know (laughs) well the clippers are below 500 right now but do you think Ty Lue should still get consideration for NBA Coach of the Year? He should. And I know that there's a lot of people pushing back because now there's, uh, you know, p- people are saying who's going to be. Listen, Ty Lue will not win Coach of the Year th- this year. Okay. 
full stop. But he should be in the conversation. When Doc Rivers won Coach of the Year, it was in Orlando, and that team was either a game or two below 500. But that team was so bad, and he had coached them up to the point where they were basically a 500 team. He won Coach of the Year. That's what Ty Lue is doing. I mean, if, if, if I were to tell you before the season that they would have not have Kawhi for the entire year, Paul George would miss the majority of the year, you go down the list of the guys that they've missed, and not only are they a playoff team right now, and not only will they be, a, you know, right now they're a game or two below 500, they'll, they'll get back to 500. Um, the way that they've come back in these games, the way that, they, you know, they're down by 25 multiple times, they're down 30, 35 points, they come back. I mean, Ty Lu has this team believing. So from that standpoint, he is a coach of the year candidate. We should talk about him. He should be in the conversation. He's not going to win, but that doesn't mean he's not in the conversation. But at the very least... This coach who was so disrespected by the Lakers to the point where like they gave him like a crappy offer financially, plus they said we're gonna pick your assistant coaches. And Ty Lue's like, like I've won a championship as a player, I've won a championship as a coach. And again, obviously when he was a player, the, the credit went to Kobe and Shaq, of course. But like even as a, a coach. You know, the credit went to LeBron. I think for the first time, we're finally, beginning last year and this year, realizing how good Ty Lue is. He is one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. He's definitely a legitimate candidate. He's not going to win, like you said. Top five finisher. Yeah. But the, the biggest thing for Ty Lue going forward is this postseason, after it ends, if not already, he probably will be considered the best coach in the NBA. You look at guys like Eric Spolstra, Ty Lue, there's only a few guys in that in that category, and Ty Lue has solidified himself as not only a coach of the year candidate, but maybe the coach of the NBA. And again, the Lakers had him, and they, they let him. him go. By the so. way, the Lakers had Monty Williams and Ty it's, Lue, it's and they disrespected yeah. both. I mean, I, I agree with you guys. Conversation, yes, winner, no. Um, he still has stars. He, uh, what he did with that team the year before when nobody, especially me, gave them no chance of making it past the second round, um, and he was able to, to accomplish right. what he was able to accomplish. Kudos for him. I think it's great, and I think that he should definitely be under consideration, and he should be in the conversation. It, it's just, it's kind of hard for me, though, because I think that he still has, he still has stars yeah. in Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson. There's the, Those guys are still stars. At least in my in my opinion, they're very stars. good players. They're they're not like like they're they're, they're they're not stars in terms of like I don't know what you would consider a star. Like I think an Reggie's all star. A star. Yeah, I think you got to make one all star game to be a star. But no, I mean he's a very good player, no doubt about that. Okay, okay, well, I stand corrected. No, um, the, <laughs> the legend of Shohei, um, Shohei Otani continued to grow this week as Major League Baseball and the Major League ba Baseball Players Association agreed to what is being called the Shohei Otani rule. Now you know you've made it if they ever Seriously, rule after Seriously, that's you. pretty cool. Uh, after like, what, one year? Yeah. Good for him. Which will allow, this will allow the starting pitcher to remain in the lineup as the designated hitter even after he is pulled from his start. Uh, the new rule, will, which will be officially ratified um, next week, will allow Otani's bat to stay in the Angels lineup longer. Otani, of course, became the first two-way player in MLB history to be an all-star starter as both a hitter and a pitcher. Incredible. No, I mean, what an, what, like, what an accomplishment. I mean, by the way, I mean, he's done so many firsts in terms of being, you know, 
one of the best hitters, one of the best pitchers. But when you get a rule named after you, that is so cool. I just want this team to play significant games come October. You got Mike Trout and you got Shohei Otani. They're they're not even in the playoff conversation late in the season, but uh, he is such a fun player to watch, and I am so glad that they made this this, this rule because he should not be penalized or not play uh, because he is a pitcher. Again, just for people who don't know, the designated hitter is now throughout baseball. So the idea would be if he was removed from the game. He would also be removed as a hitter. Well, that's not the case now, thankfully, because of the Shohei. Would, this only affects Shohei Otani. There's no other pitcher <laughs> really that you're going to yeah. go out of your way to make sure he stays in the lineup. But I'm so excited for uh, this upcoming season because of him. Well, and also the, you're penalizing the fans that, yeah, came to, exactly. that came to see him, that he's in that lineup, in that batting order. And now all of a sudden he has to be pulled out. It's not fair to the fans that just paid good money to see this kid play, yeah. you know? So kudos for him. And again, congratulations, Mr. Otani. You made it. They made a rule after you. I mean, that is really like, I'm trying to think of like the coolest things you could have. I remember like, uh, was it Roy Williams, the football safety for the Cowboys, the the the, the, the horse collar tackle. That mm-hmm. was the Roy Williams rule. Uh, there's like, you know, kind of a cool thing to have a rule Named for you, but again, I mean, they they had to figure out a way to keep Shohei Otani in the game, and again, this was going to happen. Now it's a universal rule; it's it, it you know, but again, this only affects one player because there's only one player who, again, there was various points in last season he was leading the league in strikeouts and home runs. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, but this is this is a rule that's going to affect kids in the future. Exactly, that, who want to be the next Shohei Otani? Yeah, so that he has, uh, you know he's been there for so or been an example for so kudos to Shohei I am super psyched for him and I love this rule I am all about it alright guys which player are you more excited to see this upcoming season speaking of baseball Mr. Freddie Freeman uh, Mookie Betts Shohei Otani or Mike Trout you know I mean, we are so blessed in Los Angeles to have four of the best players uh, two on each team um, man I'm going to say Shohei Otani. He is why I am going to hop on either a, a train or make that drive down to Anaheim to see Shohei Otani on a day where he's the starting pitcher and obviously he's hitting. I, I just want to see like, what, what he's doing. The fact that it hasn't been done since Babe Ruth. That's incredible. And then he's teammates with Mike Trout, who prior to Shohei Otani having this amazing uh, season, Mike Trout was the best player. And so for, you know... For two of the top, I don't know what you would want to say, two of the top four players to be on the same team, very cool. Now, we touched on it. The only thing that that, 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 that they have to do now, and it's not a small thing, is they got to make it to the postseason. They have not made it to the postseason since 2014. And how about this? They haven't won a postseason game since 2009. It's a long time. So come on, Angels. And I'm not. I'm saying this like as a Dodgers fan. I think it's good for Los Angeles, good for Southern California when you have multiple teams in a competition. But again, Freddie Freeman coming to Los Angeles, always showing that the Dodgers are going to pay for the best players and you know put a uh, a World Series contending team on the field. So you got Mookie Betts, you got Freddie Freeman, you got four former uh, most valuable players of the year on the Dodgers. But uh, listen, for, for me, if I'm uh, if I'm gonna go, go to a game as a fan, I'm gonna go to Anaheim to see Shohei Otani. 
I'm with you. I I can't wait because this rule is going to change the way that, uh, like Jihei said, we perceive the future of the game going forward. There's going to be, in basketball, they talk about with Steph Curry revolutionizing the game. Shohei Otani is about to do the same thing for baseball. And the more that we get to see him bat, the more that that's going to happen. So I am really excited to see him. And for the sake of Mike Trout and the Angels, like you said, Mike Trout is one of the best baseball players to ever play. And they are you know, a bottom feeder every year. Yeah. And it's not his fault. Baseball is really hard to do with a one-man show, but they got to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of on the Angels yeah. organization yeah. To, to help them out a little bit. And right? Joe Madden, it. great manager. Yeah. So hopefully they, they figure that out. No, they're definitely, they're definitely trying. But I, you know what? I'm going to go on the, other, um, on the other end. I can't wait to see Freeman in a Dodger jersey. Yeah, that's good. I can't. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, I think that this is going to be great for the game. I think it's going to be great for the Dodgers. And it just shows you that they are always going to be competitive. Um, I'm just, I can't look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm also looking forward to how he's going to do um, on the team. Yeah. Right? Because it's a new adjustment. It's a new, you know, it's a new everything for him right now. You know, you're, you're starting from scratch, buddy. So uh, let's, let's hope he does extremely well, which I know he will. So I'm excited for that. Well, on this day in 1968, a day that, you know, none of us were here, no. um, UCLA beat <laughs> North Carolina 78-55 to to win the NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship. The two-story programs will play each other Friday night in the Sweet 16. Overall, UCLA has won a record 11 national championships and played in 19 Final Fours, while North Carolina has won seven national championships and played in a record 20 Final Fours. Who is the greatest player to ever play for either school? Well, so for the UCLA Bruins, I'm going to go with Lou Alcindor, who would become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just a you know a story. I mean, so many great players. Though Bill Walton would be right up there. Um, for UNC, I'm just going to go with Jordan, just because of the name. I'm sure there are players who you know perhaps have scored more more points and uh, things like that. James Worthy was on that team with Jordan. Um, again, two of the most storied also head coaches in college basketball history, John Wooden at UCLA, Dean Smith at North Carolina. So for me, I'm going to go Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the greatest college basketball player of all time. I'm with you. You know, those UCLA teams obviously are some of the most storied teams of all time, and that's because of Lou Alcindor. And then when you look at North Carolina, it's the same thing with Jordan. The The legacy that he built there in the in the brief time that he was there, it, it goes to show that, you know, his legacy started there. Yeah. It didn't start with Chicago. It started at UNC. But yeah, the one that came to mind that you brought up was James Worthy. Yeah. I think that that is a very under, I don't know about underrated, but a very deserving answer, especially when we're, if we're specifically looking at their college careers, yeah. he's definitely up there with, with MJ. I mean, you can't, and I hate to say this because you know I don't like North Carolina, but um, you can't say North Carolina without saying Michael Jordan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just a fact. It's just something that's going to stand the test of time. He is the GOAT. He, he is the best player, um, not only in the, in my opinion, in the NBA of all time, um, but also um, for that storied program. Um, and considering especially what he did, he left early. He did. Which back then was unheard of, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, he still got his education and kudos for him. Um, kudos for his ex-wife for pushing that on him. But he definitely, like, he was the, one of the first to leave and be like, you know what, I'm out. I'm going to go to the NBA and, and be here early. So kudos for him for doing that. And he still has this amazing, wonderful legacy. And he, again, was coached under 
one of, if not the best coaches, um, other than John Wooden, because yeah. you got it. You can't not say uh, that John Wooden wasn't one of the best. Um, as far as you're, you, both of you stole both of my answers. No, <laughs> but you know, you know, you can't, <laughs> and you can't say that you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not one of the best, if not the best, player that came out of UCLA. Yeah. Um, not only for what he did, you know, for the African American community, but also what he did for basketball in general. So yeah, I, I'm just. Man, I hate agreeing with you guys. <laughs> well, you know, we're not going out on a limb. Again, no. Kareem and Jordan, uh, definitely two of the greats of all time. But just when you look at college basketball in particular, what Kareem did while he was at UCLA, uh, just, I, mean, I think he won four straight national titles, uh, just just the most dominant player. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup come Friday night. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, a first for us, I think. We will, be, we will be joined by Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Can't wait for that when we come back right here on the mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Okay, joining us now on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Warren, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. How you guys doing? We are great. Uh, big moment for you tomorrow, and I was so excited to hear this from our good friend Bernard Parks Jr. Um, Hamilton High School is unveiling a mural for you on Thursday uh, tomorrow, and what an amazing moment that that is. And I've talked to uh, people before uh, what we're doing in Los Angeles and really around the world with murals and and the stuff that they had for Kobe for you know like after his passing and what they've done to really signify you know what what it what you mean to los angeles tell me what what your thoughts were when you first found out they would have a mural of you that your old uh, school you know i was a little uh, i was a little taken back by it first of all um you know that's something that's going to be up forever and uh it's something that has to do with with my legacy um it's a it's quite an honor there's no question about it i'm, I'm totally humbled by it uh, it's something that goes back to my roots. Uh, this is where my dreams and my goals uh, for being a professional athlete started back at Hamilton High School. And if it wasn't for uh, you know the education I got there and the upbringing I got in the, in the sports background, I probably wouldn't be here today. So I owe a lot to that school, and and it also got me out of a neighborhood where I lived uh, normally. Um, it was gang ridden. Uh, West LA was on the west side of Los Angeles, so it was a lot safer environment, a lot better education that I got, and a lot better sports program. Tell me what it was like for you to grow up in Los Angeles. You just touched on it. you were the the middle child with six with six sisters, and I can't imagine how protective they they were um, of their brother. Tell me what it was like growing up here. You know, it, it was uh, it was fun. Is no question you're in Los Angeles, but there was a lot going on at that time. You know, I came up during the 
to watch riots were going on. It was during the kind of the civil rights movement. Uh, we had the first Super Bowl in in Los Angeles. Uh, the first two years were, were there when when I was living there. Um, just a lot going on in Los Angeles in general. It's a city that's full of you know stars and uh, and, and glitz and glamour. But you know, you also had you know President. I mean, uh, uh, Senator John F. Kennedy was was uh was assassinated there excuse me robert kennedy and so a lot of things happened during my childhood that i had uh a chance to to either witness or or be around and and be a part of so uh a a lot of that is 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 framed inside of my my mind and my personality uh giving i was i grew up in that type of environment and then of course where i lived you know that was the start of the crips and the and the bloods the two gangs and uh it was easy for for maybe me to get involved in something like that because a lot of my friends ended up going that direction you almost had got pulled into those those types of groups just to feel like you belonged but uh, my mother got me involved in sports and the boy scouts and in cub scouts and things like that to keep me away from those type of environments so i owe a lot of my success to her you touched on this but you had to use a a address from your mom's friend to go to Hamilton High School. Touch on where you grew up and how important was it for you to go to Hamilton, a school that would allow you to d- develop? Because again, there's a lot of kids out there who want to play when they're a freshman. Warren, you did not really get much playing time until your junior year. Again, so touch on going to school there and really de- developing. Yeah, I was supposed to either go to Los Angeles High School or Dorsey High School and in- you know, every few days I would hear of either kids getting beat up or kids being killed, you know, based off of what they were wearing that particular day, if they were wearing a leather coat or something like that. So uh, that's the kind of neighborhood that I lived in, but not so much on my street, but a few blocks away, all that stuff started. So I was in, around it all the time. And um, like I said, my mother wanted me to go to a more safer environment, a place where she, she thought I could get a better education, and I thought they had a better sports program as well. So she did have a friend that lived in the uh, Hamilton district, and they weren't giving out permits. So we actually used her address as a place where I, I was living in order to get into Hamilton, and then finally I was able to just get a permit the next year. So, uh, again, a lot of finagling uh, to get me to where uh, I wanted to go to school. But that's kind of what you had to do back in those days. You had to do whatever it took to, uh, you know, to get yourself out out of a bad environment into a safer environment. Was there a turning point moment for you? I mean, or did you know you wanted to play quarterback? Because again, you you finally hit your stride, uh, come junior and senior year, and then uh, again, was was there a moment during your time in high school where you're like, this is the position for me? Well, I always knew I wanted to play quarterback because I played four years of Pop Warner football at Baldwin Hills High School, which was like 10, year, 10 miles away from from my high school. And um, I knew I could play the position. It was just a matter of somebody giving me an opportunity to do it. And when I first went to Hamilton, like you said, I didn't play very much at all my, uh, my sophomore year because the coach that I had there just – for some reason, he just didn't think I was talented enough or something. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, I have an idea what it was, but I'll never accuse anybody of something like that. But uh, I think the turning point was in the spring after that football season was over. I was working out on the track, and the varsity football coach, Jack Epstein, came up to me and put his arm around me, and he said, you know what, you're going to be my starting varsity quarterback next year. And uh, right there, a light just went off in my head, and that was the confidence that I needed. And I just took off from there and, uh, and haven't looked back since. 
Warren, uh, just G.A. Wiley here. I, I just have a really cool question. You and I took similar routes as far as Ball is concerned. You went the JC route, and there's n not a lot of great stories um, about that. Um, can you just touch on and talk about maybe your journey through the JC route and then getting into college thereafter and the process of that? Yeah, I really didn't want to go to junior college because I felt like what I had done in in high school, you know, I was, I was an all-city quarterback. Uh, I was player of the year in my conference. I made a few All-American teams. I felt like I was uh, worthy of getting a, a college scholarship to a big-time school. And uh, a lot of the schools recruited me, but they wanted to change my position and, and move me from quarterback. And that's just something I wasn't going to do because I felt like I could play at the next level. And uh, so I decided to go to junior college um only to try and increase my opportunities and get get more schools to look at me. So I went to West L.A. Junior College reluctantly uh, for one year and uh, made All-State there and, and uh, you know, set a bunch of records and was Conference Player of the Year. And, and then I started to get more schools that actually threw the football recruiting me. Um, where in high school, a lot of the schools that wanted me to play quarterback, they were option schools like ran the wishbone and, and the veer. And that's just not something that I was. I was a guy that could throw the football. So uh, that's why I went to junior college, and it, it definitely benefited me. And uh, I ended up getting a, a couple of offers that I, I really liked to the University of Washington and, and the University of Colorado and I chose Washington um, because it was on the west coast and in the Pac-8 and I always dreamed of playing in the Rose Bowl so that was a goal of mine to, to go away and, and come back and maybe play in a Rose Bowl one day. Again joined by Warren Moon here on the Mighty Year 1090 in Los Angeles. Warren, um, how were you able to stay so patient? I mean, can we, I want you to kind of touch on, I mean, during this time period, you know, um, there were black quarterbacks, not a ton, and so you had to go again, the JC route. You went to Washington, did not get drafted, went to the CFL, I mean, set mark after mark for six years, and then you finally get the opportunity to come back home, played in Houston. How were you able to stay so patient? Did you know that your time would come? I just felt like it would if I just continued to keep working and being positive, and uh, I did have you know a lot of people that that supported me like my family and, and different friends and at this time I was married once I got out, out of college I was in when I was in Canada um, but I think I learned a lot of my patience from my mom just from just from how she took care of our, our home when my dad passed away when I was seven years old she uh, you know she had seven kids she had to take care of uh, my you know my six sisters and 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 her so um, I saw how she did it and she never she never uh, lost her cool. She uh, she had a plan. She went back to school, became a nurse. Uh, you know, she worked diligently as far as working maybe two shifts sometimes when she needed to. But she always had, you know, hot food on the table or, or clean clothes on our back. So I never felt like I was poor. She always provided opportunities for me to to be able to play sports, need or the equipment that I needed. So she sacrificed a ton, um, but the way she did it was in a cool, calm, you know. Uh, manner and I and I witnessed that and, and and I think I learned a lot just from her demeanor on how she handled adversity and that's how I tried to handle my adversity as it came to me. Warren, I, I wanted to touch on what's happening in the league right now. I don't know if we've seen a um, 
a like golf season like this where so many big name quarterbacks are changing uh, teams Deshaun Watson to Cleveland Tom Brady's coming back you got Russell Wilson to Denver Matt Ryan's going to Indianapolis Carson West to Washington you go down the list uh, what is your view of all that again generally speaking in the National Football League I mean we don't have a ton of movement like this your thoughts on what's um, what's taking place now yeah, there was a time when there wasn't free agency in football, and, I, and that was one of the things I benefited from when I came back from Canada. I was a, a true free agent because nobody had drafted me, so I had a chance to pick and choose where I wanted to play. And then, then later on, when I was in the league, free agency came into play, and now you saw more player movement, and, and you start to see players every year now start to move if they became free agents. And now quarterbacks have taken it to another level where because of the power that they have at that position and how important that position is in today's game, you see these these quarterbacks now that say, if, if I don't want to play here, I want to go somewhere else. They, uh, they pull power plays and, and they're getting out of their organizations and, get, and demanding trades and moving on. So um, it's something that I'm not a huge fan of, but I also, I also understand the reasons why they're doing it because if they want a better situation, I guess that's the only way you can go about doing it. But, you know, I'm a guy that, that uh, you know, believes in when he signs a contract, you know, you, 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 uh, you, you honor that contract, but I would hope the team would do the same thing. But because the team doesn't always do that, the player has to take his business uh, opportunities uh, to the best of his ability. So I understand why these players are doing it, and uh, especially these quarterbacks who have a tremendous amount of power because of the amount of money that they make and also because of, of how important they are to football teams' success today. Warren, you played 23 seasons of professional football. Uh, your thoughts on Tom Brady coming back? He will be 45 years old this training camp. And again, he retired for, I think, one month. And I think he said something clicked. Uh, your thoughts on Tom Brady? And did you have that moment as well when you hung him up, when you were like, shoot, maybe I got like one more year left in me? You know, it took me a, a full year to, to realize that maybe I, I could play this game again because my body felt good. I was refreshed, and I said, you know, I'm starting to miss it now because when I, when I decided to retire, uh, I, I thought I was ready to go. But, but uh, I understand, you know, Tom, because he's still at the top of his game. Uh, I'm sure at the end of the season he was very disappointed because of the way that, you know, their season ended. And he probably felt like this was probably a good time to go. But, you know, you give yourself a little bit of time, you get refreshed, your body heals up a little bit, and you start thinking about the future. And then you say, hey, why don't I, why don't I continue to play? I can still do this, and I can still do it at a level that I'm, I'm happy with. So why not come back and try and run it back again? And I think that's just what Tom did. If, if anything I would criticize him about is just take a little bit more time <laughs> before you decide whether you're going to retire or not. Otherwise, uh, I don't blame him for coming back because of the way he's playing. Warren, last two questions, and thank you so much for 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 joining us again. The commissioner talked about the need for the diversity. And again, this, this is becoming like a broken record. He can talk about it, but at the end of the day, what does the league have to do to have more black coaches, black GMs, black executives? You know, that's a great question, and I've talked to the commissioner about that, and he said, any ideas you have, Warren, uh, I'm willing to hear them because I've tried a little bit of everything, but he can't make these owners, you know, hire people that they don't want to hire. So uh, I think one of the big ways to do it, and it's going to take a little while, is to have more minority ownership. Uh, in sports because minority owners can now hire more minorities if that's what they want to do and and I think that that creates more um, more opportunities there but 
I think it's going to be up to these owners. They're just going to have to get together and say, look, you know, we're living in a world now where diversity is very, very important. You know, if we look at the disparity within our league at, at different positions, whether it's general manager, whether it's president, whether it's head coach, we've got to do a better job of keeping up with what's going on in the world today, and, and we need to make these hires. So I think it's up to the conscious consciousness of these owners that they're just going to have to get together at their owners' meetings and say, we're going to have to do the right thing and, and make sure we stay current with, uh, with what's going on in the world today and, and I think that's where a lot of it's going to come from as well. But I think minority ownership will have a whole lot to do with it, but that's going to take a little bit longer down the line. And final question, again, Warren Moon, you're going to get a mural at Hamilton High School uh, tomorrow. And by the way, these kids teach me so many things in terms of, you know, they're on uh, TikTok, YouTube, and you've done such a great job during your career and what you're doing now in being involved in Gen Z and what the next future is for sports and entertainment. You know, what kind of advice a, a young kid out there, and Warren, as you know, these kids now with the, the NIL can get paid big bucks in college so what what advice would you give uh, again uh, if, if someone from high school or someone from college wanted to get your two cents on how to make the most of their time again because so many of these kids won't go to the pros what can they do they can uh, realize whatever it is their dream is or their goal is that they want to be in life some kids don't find that out at a young age some kids do the ones that do uh, just go after it you know just just put everything you've got into it to uh, to make that that dream and that goal a reality and then for the ones who don't, aren't sure exactly what they want to do try a lot of different things and just see what it is you might like and what you have a passion for because I, I think that's the important thing you have to find what your passion is and, and the earlier you can find what that passion is the more time you have to, to start to, to hone in on it and and work your tail off to to uh, to achieve it, and so it, there's no there's no substitute for uh, for hard work, and that's what's going to ultimately do it for you and whatever it is you want to do. But for a lot of these young kids, they, they just don't know exactly what they want to do and what they want to be yet, and I understand that. Um, but for the ones who do, you know, go after it. Uh, for the ones who don't, try a lot of different things and find out what your passion is, and then then go after it once you know what that is. Thank you so much, Warren. Thank you so much for your time. And congratulations on the mural at um, Hamilton High School. I appreciate that. It's a great honor. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, to the event. There'll be a lot, of, a lot of my former teammates there and, and uh, different uh, student body members. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right, that was Warren Moon joining us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. What an amazing, uh, you know, thing to go back to your high school, get a mural uh, for the career that he's had, and again, the path that he took. Because there, there could have been so many moments during his Hall of Fame career where he's like, I don't want to be in Canada. I mean, he was in Canada for six years. You know, he did not get these scholarship offers. I think he got less than five because he wanted to play quarterback. He didn't want to be a safety. He didn't want to, you know, be a tailback. He wanted to play quarterback. And so, you know, having that consistency, having that drive, and now being able to go back to his high school, um, you know, and again, this was during a time period where, like, like he should have stayed home. Like, I mean, like, I don't know what happened there, but, like, he should have gone to USC, should have gone to UCLA, but then he had to go 
go to Los Angeles College, as you mentioned, Jihei JC, and um, again, worked his way, had a, had a Hall of Fame uh, college career at UW, Hall of Fame career in the CFL, and a Hall of Fame career in the National Football League. Also want to direct people to go to the Hamilton High School GoFundMe page. The GoFundMe page will uh, help pay for, you know, not only the mural, but uh, for the um, high school uh, football team. Um, but just an exciting moment for him because, again, when you think of Warren Moon, you think of Houston, you think of Minnesota, you think of the Chiefs, you think of Seattle. I mean, again, a 23-year pro career, born and raised in Los Angeles, you know, and so really great to have him come back home. And, um, again, you and him have a have a camaraderie <laughs> in the JC route that you guys took. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't shock me, though, too, that, you know, if you do come from a lesser area, there was a lot of people that, you know, got bussed in to nicer schools yeah. or better education forward schools. Um, and that definitely happened um, at, at Maricosta. I, I can only imagine, I can't imagine, you know, living in an area like that where, you know, you don't know if you're going to walk out on the street and then be shot one day and then have to go to school in that kind of environment. So, you know, God bless his his mother, God bless his, you know, his family for being like, you know what, this is not happening to our kid. And we're just going to move forward from that um, and doing what they got to do, right, in yeah. order to, to make that stuff happen. So. Uh, what a great story, though, because it, it just shows it just shows you that like this is kind of like American Dream esque, right? It was so great because you know uh, you know I first found out about the mural unveiling from Bernard Parks Jr. and B Bernard Parks' father, Bernard Parks, um, coached um, coached Warren, um, I believe, in youth football in Baldwin Hills back in the seventies, and Warren actually mentioned him during his Hall of Fame speech. Um, I think uh, Bernard Park Jr. told me he was a wa a water boy for that team. So just a really small world, um, and just again really happy to see him be honored in that way. Because I mean, to, to be, you know, to have your jersey up or something is cool, but for someone to create a mural for you, for all those kids to see again that path also that Warren took. Again, if you're that hotshot freshman, Warren Moon did not play until his junior year until his junior year, and then he really came into his own when he was a senior. So again, the consistency, the patience, take your time, and again, 23-year professional football career. I mean, just, just just think about, I mean, how hard it is just to make it into the pros, yeah. have one or two years. I mean, the guy played 23 years, and so uh, really thank him for coming onto the show and how cool that's gonna be uh, tomorrow night at Hamilton High School for the mural unveiling. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces, shed tears as we Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.